0: One verse of scripture, Ephesians 2 and 10. You would think that we could exhaust this in a couple of minutes. One of, the, one of the things that to me is just so amazing is how rich and bottomless are the truths that God brings to us from his word in each part of our journey. In our Christian life, he uses his word to take us one step deeper. And uh, most of us can quote Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 without any difficulty at all. But when we come to Ephesians 2 and 10, somehow we stutter because we, it, it seems that, that Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 flows a lot easier. For by grace are we saved through faith, and that not of ourselves, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then we leave it there. But verse 10 is connected essentially, and actually, and in reality, to verses 8 and 9. For you will notice that verse 10 begins with the word, for, for. It is a connecting word. It is saying what has been said is related to what is going to be said. And so I I pray that God will use this text in the next moments we have to do something for your faith, your, your walk, your Christian life. As I have in my notes here that even though the Bible promises wonderful things of salvation, if the truth were known... Many of us are not happy with our Christian life. Somehow it's not all that it was cracked up to be. So we've got to ask ourselves, is it really true? Is this simply a religious experience that somebody had because of the the atmosphere that was present at the time? Or is it really something real that goes beyond what we know and what we think? I trust that God will open our eyes that this morning. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. May the words of my mouth and the meditation in our hearts be acceptable To you, Father. May this word cause our hearts to yearn much more. For, Lord, that is what it promises. May we see it. May we desire it. May we receive it. In Jesus' name, Amen. You are saved. You've heard the wonderful news about salvation. And now you want to ask yourself now that I am saved, what? What does it mean that I am a Christian? Years ago, when I was in college, I heard someone making this asking this question if if you were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? If I were arrested for being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict me? And so we, we come to a verse like verse 10. And, and we ask ourselves the question, What does it mean to be saved? Is that, is that a closed door? That once I am saved, that's all I need to worry about. My life from now on is my own. My life from now on is to be lived the way I want it. Well, I think that perhaps this is where the problem comes in. Because God does not finish His work in your life or mine once we become Christians. He begins His work. It is a journey. A journey that has dynamics. A journey that has hills and valleys, but a journey that has destiny. We know where we are going, we know why we're going. And so this morning for the next minutes that we have, I want to take this verse and I trust that the Holy Spirit will enlarge your sense of what your salvation means, that it will make a difference to you and to me what happens tomorrow morning or even when we leave this place. Paul uses a word, a very interesting word. He said, we are his workmanship. And I have titled this, spiritual reconstruction. That that, that God, when we become Christians, begin reconstructing our lives. Your life and mine. But I want to look at the particulars this morning. The particulars of Reconstruction. Now, I am not a construction man. I know almost nothing about carpentry. I did some when I was in college, because that when I stayed on campus the one year, I, that's what I had to do. But I have never mastered a hammer. I have never mastered you know, I, I painted last week, uh, the week before I painted. My the, the rails on my, my house in Salem, and I was almost in a suit because I was sure I wasn't going to drop any paint on that floor and that, that place because I don't want to clean it up. My wife came out and she looked and she was, she, she was not too sure. Don't you want to put some paper there? I said, I will be fine, I will be fine. When I, when I fixed that door a couple of weeks ago, I was ecstatic. I called Christopher, I said, I fixed the door. There's <laughs> no big deal about it. I'm not a construction man. But this much I know. I've talked to people who have, who have said, I've lived, in, when we moved in this house, this wall wasn't here, this room wasn't here. We did some reconstruction. And some of you are, are excellent at that kind of a stuff. And you had a goal, you wanted more space. You wanted the kitchen to be uh, attached to, to, the, to, the, to the dining room. And you're able to do that thing. Well, I want to suggest to you that that's precisely what we have in this verse. That, that when you and I become Christians, we come with things that God has to readjust. Uh, we, we, we come with, we shall see in a minute, we come with certain things that will not do for the Christians to keep on doing. So let's, let's look at the, what is needed. What are those skills that are needed for reconstruction? From, from, from the physical point of view, you have to be trained. You've got to know what's going on. You've got to be able to take a, a, a wall and know where the, the, the right um, um, place is. If you hit one joint over uh, oh, over here, you're going to destroy the whole thing. You've got to have skills. And the reconstruction of our lives skill is also necessary. And the skills for spiritual reconstruction comes from God. Look at the text. We are His workmanship. God is the worker. God is the one who is doing the reconstruction of our lives. And I'm so thankful for that. Because you see... If, if, if I had to reconstruct anybody's life, I would make it the way I think it ought to be. If I had to reconstruct anybody's life, I would say, this is what you should be doing. But when God is doing it, when God is reconstructing our lives, he has the skills that are necessary to take care of what needs to be moved, how much it needs to be moved, when it needs to be moved. He has the insight. He has what the wisdom to take everything and make them what they are supposed to be. Let me tell you what I mean by that. When God is reconstructing our lives, please listen, because this is important. God is the only one who can reconstruct us because He knows how to humble us without humiliating us. He knows how to humble us without humiliating us. Let let me tell you what I mean by that. James chapter 3 verses 7 and 8 talks about the tongue. And it says the tongue is is, is a fire. It It is filled with venom. And no man can tame the tongue. It takes the skills of God to change the tongue of an individual from what it used to speak so that it can speak something differently now. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees brought this woman to Christ and they said to him, we have found this woman. She has been caught in the very act of adultery. The law says this is what should take place in her life. What do you say? And with the skills of heaven, Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, the accusers began to get very guilty, and they began to withdraw. Jesus knows how to humble us without humiliating us. The skills that's necessary. You see, when when if, if you and I are to change anybody's life, we we expose everything about that person. We zero in upon what we don't like. And what we're trying to do is to fashion this life after what I want it to be, rather than fashion, fashioning that life in what it ought to be. I received a call from someone last evening. And, and 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 this person said to me, "I'm struggling with this because even though what this other person is saying to me is is right, yet I just feel that they are, they, they are they're just driving it home. And so this person felt they can't respond, and this is what God does not do. God doesn't put us in a place where we don't want to respond to him." Because he never puts us in a place where he will humiliate us. He puts us in a place where he begins the reconstructions and he has the skills. He's wise. He's a wise master builder, we shall see in a minute. The scope. The scope of reconstruction. Look at what St. Paul said. For we are his workmanship. I'll get to this later on when we we take verses 11 to 13. We, everyone, no Christian is without the need for reconstruction. (laughs) In Mark chapter 3, verse 17, James and John are introduced to Jesus. And as soon as they came to Jesus, Jesus responds to them by changing their names. He calls them sons of thunder. you know what that means? They were explosive. James and John had a short fuse. They did not suffer fools gladly. At one point when Jesus was walking through Samaria and the Samaritans would not respond to them, James and John said, looking at Jesus, looking in the face of Jesus, you know what they said? Do you want us to call fire from heaven and just just destroy them? Do you, I mean, imagine giving Jesus advice. Why don't we call fire? And by the time Jesus is back in heaven, James and John are tender men. One willing to give his life as he did, and another ended his life in exile. We, you and me, it doesn't matter what background we come from, who we are. The moment we become believers, God has to begin his work of reconstruction. So 2 Corinthians 5.17 puts it this way. If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. There isn't, there isn't a human being who becomes a Christian who does not need this reconstruction. It can be our thought life. It can be our tongues. It can be our attitude. It, it, it can be 101 things Things that, that that you and I did not think possible in our lives under certain circumstances brings out those very same thing. i bring out those very same things. And we find ourselves wondering, am I a Christian? How could I how could I have thought that, that kind of a thought? How could I have done that kind of a thing? Well, my friends, that's because we are born with them. We are born with them. what's the sphere the reconstruction is a spiritual reconstruction because we're not born spiritually alive the work we are created in Christ Jesus in Christ Jesus the little word in tells us where this takes place it is now in our relationship with him turn look over if you please Ephesians 4 21. Ephesians 4:21. Indeed, if you have heard of him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life you may lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And you put on the new self which is in the likeness of God. Every spiritual victory now that you and I will experience comes as a result of this new relationship. See, we are not saved to remain the same as we were saved. Let me repeat that again. We are not saved to remain the same as when we were saved. We are saved to move on to something else, and if we do not move, then the Christian life becomes boring. If you struggle with the same things over and over again, you wonder Am I really saved when I am told that if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are becoming new? How come I am not new? Why is it that I still I still struggle with my mind? Why is it that I still think the same way I used to think? Dwayne and I were talking the other day, and Dwayne was telling me about his experience when he became a Christian. (laughs) Uh, He was nailing a nail, and he hit the wrong nail. And when he hit the wrong nail, he didn't use the same language he would have used a couple of weeks earlier had he, had he hit that nail at the same time, in the same place. You see, there was a new, there was a new man. Reconstruction. God was reconstructing Dwayne's language so that when he hit the nail, he didn't have to use those words that before... Would send that thing below. You know, where they I had a friend of mine in, in, in Toronto. He was telling me about his sister who became a Christian. And he said to me, This is what he said to me, quote, you know, she had this Christianity thing like you were, like you, and he said, It was a hell of an experience. So I said, no, it wasn't a hell of an experience. It was a heavenly of an experience. Because that's what it is. All of a sudden, you find yourself with a new appetite for spiritual things that wasn't there before. All of a sudden, you find yourself wanting to get into God's Word. You want to pray. You want to be with other Christians. Not so much because of what you can get from them, but what happens to you when you are with them. They don't have to give you anything. You simply receive because you are sharing spiritual things. I had breakfast with a friend of mine this past Friday morning. He, he, he goes to the Alliance Church in, in, in Salem. And, and we sat down. And, and Bruce was talking to me and I was talking to Bruce. And as as we were leaving, we shared how rich an experience it was to sit and draw from each other those spiritual values that God is working in our own lives. Someone else from a different church, but who was experiencing that spiritual input. And he, he shared with me something I didn't know. And he talked about his married life. And he said, Winston, I was searching outside of Jesus to try and find, and I made a mess of my life. And when I came back, what a rich experience it has been because God has given me now a fresh insight, new insight into my relationship with my wife. God is giving me something I never had before. And he's he's expressing his joy in spiritual values. That's my friend, is what happens when reconstruction begins. Let me quickly go on because our time is almost gone. I can say a lot more. Let's look at the program for reconstruction. The program. God is working, is making out of your life and mine. The word is workmanship. Workmanship. He's doing this. Good works, he said. This, his workmanship is now a part of the good works that God is actually doing. It is not works for my salvation. Because we can't work for that, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 tell us. But it is work because of our salvation. And now we are able, we are able to do things that will bring satisfaction to us. As well as bring glory to God. When I, when I become a Christian, I am now doing things that are pleasing to God. I find myself not wanting to do anything other than pleasing God. We find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. His workmanship is a work of art. Let me, let me pray see this for you. What he is doing, he is making your life, every believer, he's making our lives Something of an art. Something of beauty. The old word, our English word poem, comes from this word, but it doesn't carry the force. What it is, God is the master artist who has provided good works for you and I to participate in so that in in doing those good works, we become a thing of art. People begin to admire the way we handle pressure. People begin to admire the way we handle disappointments. People begin to admire the way we we handle discouragement. Because in all of those things, God has beforehand provided, has works which respond to those things. What, What are those words? Our thoughts, our words. Our deeds in which righteousness and holiness of the new life manifest themselves. There are works for which we are said that God, before we were even born again, God prepared these works so that when we are born again, those works become our lifestyle. They are impossible without Christ And only a new creation is capable of providing that kind of a life in a person's life. Only a new creation. We are his workmanship created. The Greek word there is the same as the Hebrew word. When God created the heavens and the earth. So this this workmanship is something that only God can do. And he has done it. You see, not, I, I don't get saved and wonder, what do I do now? I get saved, my friends, I become a, a Christian, and God begins this reconstructive work in my life. The product then is good works. I worked for a man when I was a teenager, before I became a Christian, and I think I've told you this before, and I hated this man. I hated him. All I wanted for him for, from him was his check at the end of the week. Some of my friends used to say to me, why do you work for him? Well, I, I worked for him because it was a job. And I worked for him because I had no father. My father had died. So I had to help my mother with, with, with the girls along with my brother. And and the most amazing, I would go to work Monday to Friday and I would just walk in, walk by him and would have almost nothing to do with him. And then I became a believer. And in in the country in which I was born, in Central America, we have Easter Monday off. I I became a Christian on Good Friday. And Easter Monday was also a holiday. So Tuesday I went to work. And when I went to work, the first thing I said to him was good morning. Wow. He almost died. Wow. I wasn't trying to impress him, my friends. Something had happened to me. God had before ordained good works that I should should walk into them. And one of the things that he provided was kindness. Kindness. I could no longer be what I was. The purpose for reconstruction? The purpose of reconstruction? King James says, God, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, for, or unto, unto, The moment we're saved, this is what our life in Christ begins to happen. When Michelangelo was was doing his masterpiece, he he was doing his work as he chopped away on on the stone, shapeless rock. And someone said to him, what what are you doing, Michael? And listen to what he says. He says, "I I am liberating an angel from this stone. I am liberating an angel from this stone. In other words, my friends, when you and I are like this stone, you and I are, are just blocks. You and I are born in sin, doesn't matter who we are. But when we come to Christ, when we become a part of God's family, he begins to liberate us from the past life we used to live. No one tells us we have to. No one sits us down and says, now that you're a Christian, you don't do this or you don't do that. No, my friends, that's legalism. What takes place is that because we belong to the family of God, we we find ourselves just getting rid of those things voluntarily because we have a new purpose. We have a new person we're seeking to please in our lives. This is what we were born again for. Our Christian life is so that God can make Beautiful arts out of our lives. We are God's work of art. God is the sculptor who is working, who is taking, chipping away, bringing the angel out of this rock of my life and yours. Lastly, the plan for reconstruction. The plan that we should walk in them. God has prepared prearrange a sphere of moral and spiritual action in which we are to walk my christian life is not to simply stand it is not to simply sit it is to walk there is a new dynamic a new direction i was i was telling this group of students I was speaking to a couple of weeks ago, I said, you know, the last thing I thought I would ever be would be a preacher. That's the last thing. A singer, yes. Because I won prize for singing. But singing has never been a part of my life ever since I became a believer. That God gave me the gift that I'm using this morning has been the deepest conviction and joy of my life. That I should walk in it. If I should try and do anything other than what I'm doing now, my friends, it would bring no joy to my heart. That's the plan of God for me. But that's the plan of God for you. It might not be that you'll be a preacher. Because it is not, it is not preaching that makes me a Christian. It is because I'm a Christian. And, and what God is doing... Wherever, wherever you are, wherever your place of employment is, whatever class you find yourself in, whatever school you go to, God wants you to be a work of art. He wants your life to be shaped by him so that people do not question whether you're a Christian. They ask, why are you a Christian? Tell me about it. Let me close with a true story. There is in Illinois, outside, Chicago, outside Detroit, Michigan, something called the Heidelberg Project. The Heidelberg Project. You can go to your, to your um, internet and find it. Very interesting thing. Took time to, to look at it myself. And what this is, if you have been, has anyone in here been to Detroit? One, two, three, four... It's the ugliest city in the world. There, there are places in Detroit, Michigan, that are still the way it was in the 1960s when they burned it down, to this day. I got lost one day, driving through Chicago, and I thought, oh, what am I going to do? That, they didn't have any GPSs then. <laughs> A fellow by the name of Tyron, Decided to do something about those ugly, dirty, filthy places around the city of Detroit in Heidelberg. He's an artist. And so what he has done, those big old, dilapidated houses that are sitting there for now for years with no one doing anything about it, the government doing that. You know what he has done? He has started to paint arts. On those houses. He has actually gone in and he's taken all the debris around and made them into, into into structure. So when you go into Heidelberg now, you see what used to be lying all over the place. There are now things for people to look at and remember how beautiful this area used to be and look at what has become of it. One little girl who was um, taking a day trip there, this is what she said. They ask her, what, you thought about, what do you think about this? And listen, these are his, her words. Someone has taken a whole bunch of junk and made beautiful art out of it. My friends, has God done that to your life? The junk of what I was and made beautiful art out of it? Those, 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 those buildings now, there are, people can have a good conversation about them, not disdain for them. This little girl said someone took the junk. Listen, God is the only one who can take the junk of a life and make it something that no one else is capable of doing. I know that I was this, but by the grace of God, He has raised me up and now I am a new creature and I am constantly become God's masterpiece. That's what he has made us to be friends. This is what Ephesians 2, this is when the Christian life becomes meaningful. When God is making you his project, he knows how to humble you without humiliating you. He knows how to remove all those things that used to be a hindrance to our lives and then making us a demonstration of his power. So no one asks whether we are Christians. People assume we are because of how we now handle life. Let's pray. Oh God, this is your word. And you have promised us something more than just being saved. We don't have to pressure people to become something when they realize that God has made it all possible for our lives to be more than it is. We are your workmanship, your art, your masterpiece. Whatever you have to remove in my life, remove it so that I can be seen as the masterpiece of God, so that when anyone asks how, I have only one direction to point, and that's up, because I am a work of God. We are a work of God, and God is the maestro. In Jesus' name, amen.